Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of this fine show, you always can be by sending me a comment or whatever you would like to say to any of the contact links on my uh, in the description of the show. Or you can call the listener hotline, that number 303 832-0217, and of course, depending on your phone and your plan, that is a free call. Coming up on the show today, a very interesting concept that we've talked about in the past, uh, just a little bit, not too much, but it's called a car subscription service. So different than owning, obviously, different than leasing a car, and it's a subscription to a car. It's a service from Autonomy.com. And that's where you uh, subscribe to a car. And now, and the interesting thing about Autonomy.com is that they are uh, doing pretty much exclusive subscriptions for Teslas right now, so electric vehicles. And uh, so it's uh, I'll, it's just an interesting concept. Uh, it really means that you could exchange one car for another, or keep the one you have for a long time. Uh, anything you would do with basically a subscription. Uh, there are a ton of questions I have about how this works and how much it costs and really who it's for and what the advantages are over leasing and owning. So I invited Scott Painter on the show. He is the CEO and the founder of Autonomy, and he's going to be here in just a little bit and explain everything about the uh, subscription service and how it works and uh, if it's right for you or not. So... Uh, Scott will be coming up here in just a minute. Uh, first, I wanted to mention the 2022 airline rankings that just came out from Wichita State University. Basically, these are the airline quality ratings. It's the most comprehensive study that's out there of performance and quality of uh, the largest airlines in the United States. So here is the list of the 2022 airline rankings with the best and worst Airlines, and of course, I think we should start with the best and work our way to the worst, right? All right, so out of the 10 airlines here, number one is Southwest Airlines. Eh, it doesn't surprise me very much, so a lot of people love Southwest. They have uh, dropped a little bit in customer service because uh, everybody has dropped a bit in customer service over the last couple of years. Uh, number two is Hawaiian Airlines. I wonder if their customer service, or at least the uh, perception of how well they do, is uh, enhanced because people are flying to Hawaii. And coming back from Hawaii, you're typically pretty well rested in, in remembering your vacation. So uh, I wonder if that really is enhancing their um, their rating to be number two. Number three is Delta Airlines. I've always had good luck with Delta Airlines. Um, I really haven't had any big problems with Delta. Uh, Allegiant Airlines, which is a surprise to see Allegiant one of the the one of the low cost I mean really low cost carriers uh, that high on the list number five Alaska Airlines I always hear good things about Alaska only flown with them a couple of times and it was fine each each time United Airlines at number six Frontier Airlines at number seven JetBlue at number eight a little surprising JetBlue is this low but not surprising as they really have been slipping over the last several years there's something going on with JetBlue where they are. Not the airline they used to be. Number nine is American Airlines. And there must be something also going on with American Airlines as they have not um, been as good as they once were either. And I don't think there's any surprise who the number 10 airline is 
on the list, the 2022 airline ranking uh, out of Wichita State University. Can we all say it uh, together? Uh, number 10, Spirit Airlines. <laughs> yeah, they are they are the worst. Um, and uh, I, I think Frontier and JetBlue are still fighting to see who's going to take over Spirit Airlines. Uh, the rating here is really an examination of the airlines based on uh, a couple of factors, including uh, mishandled baggage, consumer complaints, uh, complaints, on-time performance, and involuntary denied boarding. So those are the four key uh, factors. And I think that's what most people care about. And, and the impact of uh, the, the virus on, on air travel, obviously in 2020 and 2021, was profound. And each airline was obviously challenged and handled the situation a little bit differently. And some airlines adopted quicker uh, procedures to handle the air, the uh, the pandemic better than than others. And and I think maybe that also probably played a role in their rankings. Uh, Hawaiian Airlines had the best on time performance, ninety percent for twenty twenty one, while Allegiant had the worst on-time performance, 68.3%. That is abysmal. And they were still up there at number four. Speaking of Allegiant, they had the best baggage handling performance, while American Airlines had the worst baggage handling performance. The report showed that mishandled baggage, the rate for the entire industry, grew from about four per every 1,000 checked bags to almost five in every 1,000 checked bags in 2021. Now, denied boardings were noticeably worse in 2021 than 2022, and it could be maybe a flight cancellation or uh, overbooked uh, flights. But basically, it went from eight, about 10 passengers per 10,000 passengers to, and it doubled to about 0.17 or per 10,000, so about 17 passengers per every 10,000 uh, passengers on planes. Frontier had the highest involuntary denied boardings, while Allegiant, Delta, Hawaiian, and United had the lowest uh, den- uh, involuntary denied boardings. Now, the industry rate for customer complaints per 100,000 passengers decreased from about 12 in 2020 to about three and a half in 2021. So computer c- customer complaints got a lot better. Uh, Delta had the lowest consumer complaint rate, while no surprise here, Spirit had the highest consumer complaint rate. Maybe that's why another reason they're in the 10th position. Uh, There are a ton of numbers in this report, and if you have any interest in looking at all of these numbers, I did put the link for this 2022 airline rankings from Wichita State University in the description of the show, and you can read it all there. From flying to driving, if you're looking for a car, You know that electric cars are much more expensive to buy than an internal combustion engine car, or ICE for short. Electric cars cost much less to maintain, but they do have a shocking upfront cost. Now, the federal government is still offering some tax rebates. Well, for now, depending on your vehicle, you could receive anywhere between $2,000, maybe as much as $7,500 to offset the cost of an EV. And there are many states that still have similar tax rebates, much less than that, but they still have these tax rebates. But the sticker price of these electric vehicles could still be much too high for a lot of buyers. One way to save money might be to go with a subscription service. To talk more about how this works, 
how much less expensive it could be for you and how expensive it is going to be for you. To talk more about all of this is Scott Painter, the founder and the CEO of Autonomy.com. They're a subscription car service specializing in Teslas. Scott, thanks so much for being here on the World Famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Jason, thanks for having me. So before we talk about the subscription service and how it works, let's get to know about you a little bit better. So you um, are with Autonomy.com. Tell me about how you got involved with this service and um, your background. Great. Well, I think you know, great companies, great entrepreneurs solve a real problem. And I have, for the last 30 years of my life, been focused on making buying and owning a car easier using technology. And really what we've landed on is the fact that most people don't pay cash for their car. And so when we talk about, for instance, affordability for an electric vehicle, it's not so much about the headline price of the car. And to your point, electric cars cost on average 10 to 40 percent more than their internal combustion engine counterparts. So cost of the car is a real issue. But whenever a car goes above about thirty thousand dollars, 95 percent of people pay, do not pay cash. They get a car loan or they get a car lease. And really what it comes down to is what is your monthly payment? And one of the benefits of uh, a subscription is you're not buying the car. You don't own it. Uh, a subscription is very similar to a lease or a rental in the fact that we handle title, registration, insurance, maintenance, repair. All of those things are part of your bundled subscription payment. And so really, it's about your monthly payment. And the average car payment in America today is $500, no matter what you're driving. We intentionally designed our program around beating that. We have our entry-level price at $490 a month. All right, Scott, I, uh, we'll get more into that here in just a little bit, but I also wanted to know about your background and how you got into this and, and this idea about subscription uh, car services. How, where, where did you come from when, when, when you were younger and, and looking at cars? Did you, uh, did you, were you just always fascinated by cars? You know what? Um, I think that cars are one of those things that sort of mark the milestones in our life. And getting a car almost always reflects something good happening. Either you're graduating from school, you're moving to a new city, you're starting a new job, you're growing your family, you've got a promotion. There's all sorts of great positive events that correlate to getting another car. And yet buying and getting a car is widely considered one of the most time-consuming, frustrating, high-anxiety moments in modern life. And so I really have dedicated much of my adult life to building companies that address that particular problem. I was uh, the founder of a company called CarsDirect.com. We were the first business to put an upfront price on a car on the internet. That really started the whole move where dealers began to advertise digitally to find customers. Today, virtually everybody goes to the internet to find out information and pricing on cars. I also started a business called TrueCar. Um, at TrueCar, we published what everybody else paid for their car, which really made a first-time car buyer an expert. And then I also founded another business called Fair, and we were the pioneer in used vehicle leasing through an app. Uh, that was the introduction of subscriptions about five years ago. There are some other uh, companies, uh, typically the automakers, and we'll talk about this here in just a minute, that are doing this subscription service. But I want to get to know more about the company Autonomy. And so in a nutshell, what does the company provide for me, the average uh, driver out there? It, pro it provides the average driver with flexible access to an electric vehicle that is affordable, easier than any other path. 100% of what we do is on your phone, and then it's also faster. You don't have to wait 9 to 12 months like you do for a Tesla. You can get the car tomorrow. 
you, you install the app. It takes about 10 minutes. All we need is a valid driver's license and a credit card. And so cheaper, faster, and easier access to flexible mobility. It's all month to month. You don't have to sign up for a 36-month or a 60-month loan. You can go ahead and just drive the car for as long as you need. And if the situation in your life changes, you don't need that car anymore. You simply return it. It doesn't ding your credit. One of the cool things about what we built is that it does not show up on your credit report as debt. And so it really leaves you with the ability to subscribe on a month-to-month basis, just like everything else in modern life. I'm speaking with Scott Painter. He's the CEO and the founder of Autonomy. It's a subscription service that you can get a car. Uh, specifically, what kind of cars do you offer? Do you just offer EVs? Do you also offer uh, internal combustion cars? And if you are just doing the EVs, what kind of EVs do you uh, subscribe? Sure. Um, so we are focused only on providing access to electric vehicles with the belief that we are about to go through one of the biggest transformations in terms of what we drive the world has ever seen. You've got 1.6 billion non-electric cars on the, on the roads on the world today. And last year, we made 2 million out of 85 million cars were made electric, only 1 million here in the U.S. So we believe that over the next five to seven years, you're going to go from about 2% of cars being produced electric to over 50%. That is going to be a profound change, not just in what we drive, but how we drive it and what we pay for those vehicles. We decided to launch with what is, I think, our generation's Prius, the Tesla Model 3. It is the most high volume mass production electric vehicle in the market today. Uh, they're, they're rolling out over 500,000 last year. This year, they're projecting almost three quarters of a million just Model 3s. We will expand into the entire Tesla lineup. Our next product will be the Model Y. So you'll have a choice between a real affordable sedan, a little bit more expensive um, you know, crossover vehicle, and then we'll ultimately grow into the Model S and the Model X. From there, there are 38 different brand, make, model trims of electric vehicle coming to market in the next 12 to 18 months. It's such an exciting time to be a driver because you're going to have so much choice. And whether that's the Cadillac Lyric or the Hummer EV or the Silverado or the Blazer or the Equinox from GM or the Mach-E or the F-150 Lightning pickup from Ford, you're going to see great product from Volkswagen, the ID4. You've got Porsche coming into the market with the electric Macan and Taycan. So all of these cars are just going to provide new choices that you never, you've never had before. And really, our job is about giving you a much different way to get access to those vehicles. Why not up front with so many other EVs out there like a Chevy Bolt or the uh, Nissan Leaf or some others that are coming to market? Why not use those cars as a subscription a- a- along with the Teslas? Yep. I, I think it really comes down to demand. Um, one of the really cool side benefits of focusing on electric is what's emerged is this concept of a wait list. Um, there are currently 70,000 customers waiting for a Model 3 from Tesla. The, that wait list is growing every day. And as Tesla grows that wait list, they extend the delivery time. So it just reflects pent-up demand. Whereas I think the Leaf and the Bolt really were pioneers in getting us oriented to what an electric car could be. We're really focused on, and I, I mean, I think the, the right word is cool, electric cars. It doesn't mean that the Volt, the Bolt and the Leaf aren't phenomenal products for some customers. I think that we are really targeting cars that have a wait list and that are in high demand, 
short supply to some degree that people really want to drive. And that also means we're going a little bit up the ladder in terms of customer profile. Right now, our average customer is a near prime customer. They got good income. And this is not a subprime product. This is not about just getting anybody into a car. This is about recognizing that people who can afford transportation sort of at that $500 a month level are beginning to think about going electric. And we wanted to really give that part of the market the opportunity to go there. Are these cars brand new? Are they used? Uh, when I get one as a subscription, what kind of a car am I going to get? So um, we're just getting started. We launched at the beginning of the year. And so it turns out that all of our cars are brand new today. That is not the value promise or the value proposition. Um, it turns out that because we're month to month, we will have cars that come back and those cars will go back out to the wait list. We've already got hundreds of customers that are waiting in line for cars. We cannot keep up with demand. Um, you, you know, sort of a pleasant headache when you start a business is, are we going to have enough customers? Are we going to have enough supply of cars? We're already ordering about a thousand cars. We're seeing a hundred cars show up a week. So the heartbeat of our business is how many activations a day do we have? We went from obviously zero at launch at the end of January to now we're well over 10 cars a day. We're seeing days as high as 15 to 20. So that to me is really, I think, the kind of signal that we want. Uh, it's a bit of a pleasant headache. You will be driving a new car if you come to Autonomy for some time as we build that fleet out. But as things go forward, you'll begin to get cars that might have been in subscription once or twice before you. But our ideal hold time is only two to four years max. We want to give you a new car experience, although this is not necessarily going to promise you a brand new car that just happens to be what's happening today. So it's similar to a lease then, as I'm speaking with Scott Painter, the CEO and founder of the subscription service Autonomy, where uh, I could get a new car every two or three or four years, or could I just keep my subscription going almost in perpetuity for the seven, eight, ten years? We do have a start fee, which reflects very similar to a traditional lease where you have a cap cost reduction. Our start fee is going to be something that we are willing to waive. If you want to go from a Model 3 to, say, a Model Y, or you want to go from a Model 3 to a Rivian or a Polestar or a Fisker, as those cars become available, we know we're going to have people flipping from one type of car to another. Our entire business um, objective is to keep a customer for life. We want recurring revenue and customers for life but we want to utilize the asset better over its lifetime. We always want to have a subscriber for every car that we own. So um, I think it's really about timing. If you get in early, you are you are going to get a new car. And we are providing a, a really thoughtful way to stay with us as a subscriber without having to put up that additional start fee every time. There will be a flip fee. There will also be a pause fee. So for example, if you need to travel or you need to go out of town and you don't want to keep your subscription, you'll be able to return the car. And when you're ready and you come back, you'll start up again with us and you won't have an additional fee. Does the cost of the subscription go down as the value of the car decreases? As we know, used cars longer, I mean, well, obviously this market is crazy. Uh, however, it typically cars lose their value over time. So would I still be paying the same fee from day one as I would be on day 501? We, we would do that if we were entering you into a long-term contract, because obviously as the car depreciates, you should pay less. In a subscription like with autonomy, it's month to month. So you can actually turn that car, get another car, and there, therefore we can't really reset it. It's not like you're driving necessarily the same car. 
the ability to offer you the ability to either go up in class or go to a different vehicle entirely is really part of the overall value proposition. So it's a fixed price, but it is a variable term. Interesting. It's just, a, it's just an interesting concept. So the insurance, how does the insurance work on a subscription like that? Because uh, do, do I have to buy my own or does it come with the car? So insurance is one of the most important dimensions of driving on the road. It's a law. You cannot put a driver behind the wheel of a car and not insure that driver. So initially for launch, we made it very simple. It's identical to a lease. You've got to put our vehicle on your insurance policy just like as a lessee, you would do it with a, le a lease. However, we are very quickly moving to more of a rental car option where you would be able to buy insurance from us on a month-to-month -month basis. So similar to when you go and rent a car and you you're able to pick which insurances you want, you'll be able to do that with us, and then you won't have to go out and add us to your own policy. And then one of the coolest part about electric cars is that because they're connected, we're going to give you the option to be able to not have to pay for insurance on days that you don't drive the car. If you drive the car, we'll charge you a daily rate. And that daily rate might be three, five, seven dollars a day, which obviously if you were paying that on an annual basis might be several thousand dollars, but not everybody uses their car every day. And the ability to say, if you, if you leave the car alone, you don't pay insurance for that car is a pretty pr profound and unique value proposition, time-based episodic insurance is not available anywhere in the market today. Better than the $35 a day I would pay at Hertz when I'm renting a car for a day getting their insurance, right? I mean, it's astronomically well, ridiculous. Well, if, if you think just about the dollars involved, um, if you're going to go to Hertz and get a Tesla Model 3, not only are you going to pay $35 a day for insurance, but you're also going to pay $100 a day for the core rental. Yeah. Relatively speaking, we're $20 a day. And if our insurance is $7 a day, you're talking about $27 a day versus $135 a day. It's a, it's a profound difference. We do require a three-month minimum because of that very fact. Otherwise, everybody would use us like a rental car company. And we do not want to see cars coming back in a week or in a day. We want customers to stay in that car for at least three months. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, what what about the routine maintenance on these cars? Do I have to take care of that, or do you take care of that? All of that's covered. And if you have a maintenance issue, right inside your autonomy app, you just say what it is, whether it's windshield wipers, brakes, tires, whatever you need. Everything handled inside the app. You're scheduled for all of that repair. It's not out of pocket to you at all. And what about a mileage limit like there are with leases? Is there a certain mileage limit or can that be negotiated with price? Yeah, I, I think it's first of all important to note that the trend so far is showing that people who drive electric tend to dive, drive fewer miles. And whether that's a byproduct or a side uh, effect of range anxiety or battery life, they just tend to drive on average about 25 miles a day. That's a really important part of the overall charging riddle that we have to solve for our customers. But <clears throat> all autonomy vehicles come with a thousand dollars or a thousand miles a month. That's twelve thousand miles a year. If you do need to drive more, you can always buy more miles. So it's it does give you the ability to flex in any way that you need. But one of the things that's really important is we do not allow autonomy vehicles to be used for rideshare. So one of the things that we noticed that even though we have that as a term of service, we've already started to see a couple of customers who are driving three or 4,000 miles in a month. That gives us a really good opportunity to go back to them and say, if you want to drive three or 4,000 miles in a month, 
we're going to need to charge you for those extra miles. However, if you're driving three or 4,000 miles a month, you might be using that car for ride share. And if you do, it violates the terms of service. This is not a ride share supply system. If you're going to do that, go to Hertz. All right. But what about, let's say I drive 3,000 miles in one month and then the next two months, because let's say I'm a, 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 I I don't know, I'm working as a lineman or something. And and so I I drive a lot in one month, but the next two months, the car just sits. So, and on average, I'm going 1,000 miles for three months. So why couldn't I just keep the same payment? And do you see where I'm getting with that? You would, you're talking about rollover miles. And the answer to that is, of course, we're going to, you know, we're going to go ahead when you return the car. If you've driven under the thousand mile a month limit, you're fine. If you, you know, cumulatively drive up to the full limit, that's, that's perfectly fine. There's no additional charge. What else is included in the overall service? You touched on some of it earlier on in the conversation. So we have to cover the insurance. You're covering the maintenance. And I know in electric vehicles, I own a Chevy Volt and I have for years and years and years. So I know the advantages to low maintenance on a on an electric car. So there, there can't be much cost in that. But what other is, uh, fees or uh, other issues are covered in the electric cars? Well, first of all, 100% of the cars are under full warranty. And you don't have to worry about any kind of a big overhead expense. It's not like you're buying a car. The benefit of subscribing is that it's our car and you're using it. If for whatever reason the car has chronic problems or anything that is going to be major, that's on us. To the extent that you have routine maintenance, windshield wiper blades, tires, brakes, all of those are on us as well. And again, that's going to come down to the mileage. If you're driving the car five times longer than you should be, we're going to have to charge you the mileage charge. But that mileage charge is what's going to cover that maintenance fee. What states are you uh, have this service as you know right now? Where can I get this autonomy uh, subscription service? So, the subscription contract is something that we deployed at Fair in thirty-five different states. Colorado is one of those states. So this is something that's coming to Colorado soon. Right now, we are all over California. When we launched, we were going to just be Los Angeles only. Over a third of our customers right at launch started coming from the Bay Area. Obviously, Los Angeles is sort of a car market. You are what you drive to some degree. The Bay Area is an early adopter market. Um, Obviously, Colorado is going to be a little bit of both. And we're looking forward to being in Colorado by the end of this year. So it's going to be just sort of a DMA or city by city rollout, but um, it does not matter um, whether you are in um, California or another state. The contract does translate in all 50 states. It does not show up on your credit report as debt. And the reason for that is we're not selling you a car and we're not lending you money. And it's not a fixed term financial commitment. As a result, it's very simple. The entire process is digital, it's vaulted on your phone, and all you need is a valid driver's license and a credit card. Uh, my guest is Scott Painter, is the CEO and the founder of the subscription car service Autonomy. You can see them on uh, autonomy.com. They have an app as well. Let's talk a little bit about the subscription over a lease or a buy because I understand the theory that you want to own an appreciating asset like a home and you want to lease or not own a depreciating asset, You, you typically like a car. But then there's the thought that when you own something, including a car, I've heard this uh, theory so many times, is that at least you have something at the end of the buy that has some value to it, even though it might not have as much value as you did when you bought the car. At least you have something to show for it. 
So why a subscription over a lease or a buy? It really comes down to affordability and what you're paying on a monthly basis. I think that the idea of owning a vehicle, I, you know, I own a bunch of cars, my you know, classic cars, my 66 Mustang, my 71 Bronco. These, these cars are assets that are appreciating. Yeah. Um, I've got four children. And I, I got to tell you, the idea of telling somebody just getting out of school and starting life and getting their first job that they've got to go into soul crushing debt because they're the ones who are going to pay the highest interest rates to buy a depreciating asset. It's just not a good financial piece of advice. Um, I was also in the military. I've built programs for USAA and other military style credit unions and membership benefit programs. All of these things are, you know, sort of related to this idea of going into debt. And today, you know, the people who can least afford to go into debt to buy a depreciating asset are the ones who are forced to pay the most. And so I think that, um, the benefits of ownership are that you get to control the product. You get to decide where and when you go. What we've built is really about giving you maximum flexibility to be able to get in and out of this thing without having to go into traditional debt. A $50,000 car loan is going to cost you about $1,500 a month. Getting a car from autonomy at $490 a month is just straight up a much better choice for the pocketbook. If you're going to go rent the car because of all the benefits of not owning you're going to pay almost five times more. And if you want to get a Tesla Model 3 lease, you better have a 720 FICO score. You're going to enter into a 36-month commitment, and you're going to have a 9- to 12-month wait list. So you're going to be in a four-year relationship with that car, and who knows what, what, you know, what life is going to look like for most people four years down the road. This gives you access to the car tomorrow. It's a 10-minute process to set up in the app. Um, I think that we've really focused on, you know, relating to consumers in modern life and the need for flexible access to mobility. But it's just fine. It starts with financial affordability and that's the monthly payment. And with a purchase, because I, I took advantage of this with the purchase of my Chevy Volt, is that I got a tax rebate. I got $7,500 from the federal government, I, about $4,000 from the state of Colorado. So in your case, you are buying a uh, an electric car and then you are then leasing a subscription, you know, sending it out as a subscription service. So do you as autonomy get to keep that tax rebate or does that come off and, and I get the benefit of that? No, that, that is all passed along to you in the form of a lower monthly payment. We are deploying about $50,000 of capital on a model three. For example, you pay us on average about $490 a month. That means that we have to go ahead and source the capital, borrow the money, deploy all of that. So we've got a pretty substantial business risk and complication. We want to make buying and owning easier, but we handle all of the natural adjacencies to getting a car. And most people don't realize that only half the cost of owning a car is the car payment. The other half is title, registration, insurance, maintenance, repair, fuel. And you know, with gas prices going up over $6, the average consumer is spending nearly $4,500 on putting gas into their tank if they were driving electric, it's one-tenth, about $450. So the ability to take that additional $3,500 that you're spending on fuel and put it towards getting a nicer car, perhaps jumping into an electric vehicle, is also part of the benefit today, financial benefit. So it's um, it's not just that rebate. That that rebate comes to you if you deploy $50,000. So <laughs> it's not as, it's sort of like going to Costco. You know, you, you, you end up buying more than you need. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the savings are there, but you have to realize this is just overall a better financial decision. And, and I'm, I know I, I, cause I received some information from you folks at autonomy about, 
uh, getting people, lower and middle income families, into autonomous cars. I, I have another question about this too in just a second, but you were mentioning earlier about that you are a subscription service for uh, a prime customer. In other words, the higher credit customer, the ones that have some money to put $500 a month every month and, and be reliable about putting that money into the subscription service. But it, it, for, for lower income folks, a lot of those people don't have the high credit scores. They're going to have credit scores well below 700. They're not going to be reliable to have the $500 a month to uh, have a subscription service. So how do you uh, say, say, you know, get people who are lower middle income into this subscription service, um, but they, uh, they're not really quite your prime customer? Yeah, so uh, we are opening up the aperture a little bit to more of a near prime customer. Traditional car leasing is really cut off at a 720 FICO. In our business, we're not lending you money, so it's not a traditional credit decision. We're looking for liquidity. You know, when you sign up, we want to we want to make sure you either link your bank account or you have a credit card. What we really care about is that quality of revenue and getting paid. And it turns out everybody can afford a car; they just can afford a different car. You know. Three quarters of Americans still need a car to get to work. So this argument that we're just not going to own cars anymore is sort of wrong, I believe. And it really does go to your argument about as we grow, we're going to probably introduce not just lower cost models like the Chevy Bolt or the Nissan Leaf. It's certainly not where we're going today just because the demand for these other cars is so high and the supply is so low. But I do believe that one of the cool things about offering subscriptions is that as these cars become used cars, they are going to be priced differently. Today, they're all new. So we have a, a single pricing program that allows you to pick your payment above 490, which affects your start fee. I think that what you'll see from us as the program scales is entry-level vehicles, and those might be either used vehicles that are electric or different price point vehicles that are electric. It's, it's no secret that these electric vehicles are much more expensive. I mean, when I was, when I bought my first Chevy uh, Volt, actually, I leased the first Chevy Volt back in 2014, 2013, and uh, the the price of the car was $45,000. Now I got a smoking good deal on the lease because they thought the residual value of the vehicle was going to hold up and it didn't. It crashed. And so I, I, I worked out good for a $200 a month lease uh, for three years and, you know, good for me. Uh, but <laughs> there's got to be some kind of a magic price point, right, to get lower income buyers uh, or middle income buyers into these EVs. What do you think that's going to be and, and how long do you think it's going to take to shake out? Yeah, I, I think the real an- answer is consumers of any payment capability are not going to pay more to drive electric. This notion that car companies have that electric cars are cooler or better and therefore people will pay more is a fallacy. We have to meet customers where they're at today. If you're spending $500 a month on a car payment, if you want to drive electric, it better be cheaper. If you're spending $250 a month on a car payment, we better be cheaper. It's just that simple. We're not going to convince somebody who is right on the edge of being able to afford their automobile to pay more to drive electric. So I think that our North Star and what we're building is about continually focusing on can we provide you as a customer an alternative that is electric for less money than you're currently paying, period. If we don't, we aren't going to win. And part of the savings really comes from, and I know this, 
uh, from maintenance. Most of the maintenance that has been done on my car has been done to the gas generator that's in my vehicle, not to the electrical system that's in the car. Uh, I've had, I have to go, I'm at a hundred thousand miles. So I have to have to change the spark plugs on it. I, I get an oil change every year or so in the, in the car. So it, it's, and that's because it's got a generator in it. Unlike a traditional Tesla that is just pure electric. So you are saving a ton of money in just the maintenance on these electric cars. Yeah, I think it's uh, a couple of things. One is definitely the maintenance. Another is the fuel. Um, you know, driving electric literally costs one-tenth per mile than driving gas. It, it's just that simple. And so I think all of these things are starting to create a tipping point where going electric is going to be mainstream. I think that you know it's also important to note that you know, even though Teslas are cool and they've become sort of this generation's Prius, um, everybody who wants to drive electric and go green is sort of doing that. It does not mean that they necessarily tried to be Tesla for everybody. There is a market customer that fits that product for where we're at today. As Teslas become used Teslas, they will become more accessible to a down market customer. There happens to be a really, really uh, supply constrained market right now on new cars. Tesla's included. And buying a used anything is ridiculously expensive in the car space. Right now, most used cars are trading or selling for more than their new car counterpart. Yeah. Um, that's just a phenomenon that is really fascinating. We don't think that's going to last forever. It certainly will last a little bit longer in electric cars, though. My guest is Scott Painter. He's the CEO and founder of the subscription service Autonomy. Uh, there are always, and even outside of the uh, subscription service, there are, are, are people who will always live in an urban core, and they will want to charge their vehicles as we move to more and more of these uh, electric vehicles, whether it's through a subscription or not, or you buy it or lease it. But there's a lot of people who live in an apartment or a condo building, and they can't run an extension cord from the fifth floor <laughs> window all the way down the street and keep their car plugged in, right? Uh, it, it seems like that the infrastructure especially in the urban cores uh, uh, where you don't have, let's say, a garage in a home or a parking garage where you have the ability to plug in the car easily doesn't really support yet a large-scale sale or lease or maybe subscription of EVs on the road. Yeah, you know, that's changing quickly, though. There's a lot of investment going into the infrastructure for charging. Charging comes in three forms. You've got level one, level two, and level three. Level one is... With the actual cord that comes with the car, you can go plug it into any outlet. And while not everybody has an outlet available, that is astonishingly competent for keeping your car minimum miles, you know, and with 25 miles a day being the average electric vehicle mileage, it would suffice to get that started. However, most people go with level two charging, and that tends to be something they either do at work or they can do with a converter unit installed in their home. That is going to be, I think, less and less a part of the market. What we're seeing at Autonomy, though, and this is partly because we've been a, a Tesla-only business to launch, is that the supercharger network that Tesla has been investing in is more than sufficient. All of our customers within 10 miles of their home can get to a supercharger network, and with 15 minutes, they can top up and get full battery recharge. That is remarkable. That's what we mean by level three charging. DC fast charging, that level three charging is going to be sort of the game changer in you know cities like Los Angeles, San Diego, Sacramento, and the Bay Area. We've already got enough you know, brand agnostic DC fast charging to never have to do level one or two charging at all. 
Um, that's also starting to come into downtown Denver. Um, you know, you've got at least 1,500 DC fast charging systems that you can use for any brand of vehicle in downtown Denver. That's a big deal. That gives you the ability to not have to worry about whether or not you're going to be able to charge this car and, and get all the miles in that you need. And maybe is that one of the reasons that you see advantages with using a Tesla over some of the other brands that are yet yet to come to market or out there right now? Certainly for the time being, that is part of the strategy around having picked Tesla. And as we go from the Model 3 to the Model Y and the Model S and the Model X, that benefit will persist. I think that we're also going to be very careful to market, for example, to apartment buildings and employers where they have started to build level two and level three charging in the workplace or in the apartment units. That's where you're going to start to see sort of blooms of customers emerging because they're going to have that charging infrastructure right available to them. Well, you're in California. Uh, and do, so do you think that your service is maybe more popular due to clean, green emissions concerns than, let's say, somebody who's living in Texas? <laughs> Well, just in Los Angeles County alone, we've got about 500,000 registered EV users versus in all of Colorado, you've only got 50,000. No matter whether you're here in Los Angeles or you're in, in Colorado, we're going to see a 20-fold increase in electric vehicle adoption over the next five years, 20-fold. You know, that is a very, very dramatic change. And everybody who sees that is also preparing on the charging and the infrastructure side. I think that you know, being green, being world positive, being sustainable, those don't, you know, those aren't exclusive to Los Angeles or California. Um, California has been a real leader, though, in offering a lot of incentives above and beyond the federal incentives to get people behind the wheel of an electric car. And the governor here has also said that they're going to ban the sale of internal combustion engine cars inside the state by 2030. That is a really, really big regulatory forcing function. And I think it's just going to reflect the overall zeitgeist for electric. Um, you know, when Tesla went to a trillion dollar market cap last year, I think everybody in the auto industry recognized that there's a tipping point. Electric vehicles have become by default what everybody realizes we're going to be driving Every single car manufacturer, General Motors, Ford, Volkswagen, Toyota, have said they're going to be exclusively all in on electric by 2030. That is a massive statement that they're getting out of internal combustion. And even classic things like the Corvette are now going to go all electric. Ferraris are going electric. Porsches are going electric. It is, uh, it is one of the most profound transformations of any category ever. But won't there always be the need for internal combustion engine cars, even over the next 20 and 30 years? I mean, in the rural areas, you still need them. There there are poor countries not too far away from the United States that won't, they, they don't have electricity or the infrastructure to plug in a car. So you would think that internal combustion engine cars just can't go away. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see anybody dismantling gas stations. I think that... Um, You've got 300 million non-electric cars on the road in America today. You've got 1.6 billion non-electric cars on the roads of the, of the world. So those cars change hands about 15% a year. So in terms of overall volume, non-electric car sales are going to be the lion's share of the market for our lifetime. It's not going away anytime soon. The two will have to coexist side by side. And not just electric, but cars are becoming more autonomous, more connected. And as they do, they're going to become more expensive. 
That will mean that there will be the haves and the have-nots. Not everybody's going to be able to get access to these cars as they become profoundly more expensive. It's going to put a real spotlight on programs like autonomy. We do not think we are going to be the only ones in this market. We believe that the financial contract of the future, especially for autonomous connected electric cars, is going to be a subscription. The idea of putting people into debt to buy a depreciating asset is just a bad financial trade. And what really needs to happen to make that possible is we need to be very precise and and um, confident about the future or residual value of these cars because that's the key to being able to corporately finance them. And I think that given we believe we're going to be transferring to an all-electric economy and there's no baseline of electric cars in the vehicle park today, globally or here in the U.S., there is going to be structural scarcity for used electric cars well into the next 10 or 20 years. That means that used cars that are electric will have a high residual value. That's a good bet for us. It's a good way for us to deploy capital. We're a structured asset finance business operating with a technology front end, a payments and servicing platform. All of those things are consistent with modern life, but I do think it's a pretty exciting time to be a driver. <laughs> it is, especially if you have the classic cars like you do. <laughs> I love those. Uh, so automakers, I know Volvo and some of the other European automakers have tried and, and put their cars from their own uh, company into a subscription service. Is that your major competitor or are you still competing against people who are getting leases and, and buying vehicles? You know, I, I think there was a lot of concern in the early days that McDonald's was competing with Burger King or Wendy's. <laughs> and uh, I think what we all learned is that everybody needs to eat. And so fast food being all at the same intersection just makes the intersection more popular. I think that the subscription contract will be the default financial agreement of the future for electric autonomous connected cars just because um, not going into debt, doing it totally digitally on your phone makes too much sense. And so we, we welcome that. And I think to the extent that we believe that it's important that electric cars become the dominant powertrain that, that we all drive, we need to make them affordable. So we welcome everybody into the market. And I think that you are going to see every major car maker, all their captive finance companies starting to push subscriptions. Um, there will be all the incumbent issues of are they cannibalizing their lease programs, their loan programs? They're going to sort of need to evaluate all of that. And at the end of the day, they're going to have to compete just like us on what is it going to cost the customer on a month over month basis. And if they can, if they can offer it cheaper, they're going to win market share. I think there's a lot more difference between McDonald's fries, Wendy's fries, and Burger King fries than there are between the subscription services so far. <laughs> I, I, I think the entire value of uh, enterprise value of McDonald's is on on their French fries. Yeah, that, <laughs> amazing. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the uh, plug-in, the electric plug-in uh, electric cars, but hydrogen is also out there and there are some companies who are really pushing for hydrogen i've talked about it on this program uh, for some time so do you see yourself as just sticking to the plug-in battery hybrid or the uh, electric cars or could you see a space where you're going to offer hydrogen or where do you see hydrogen competing with the plug-in battery cars yeah, we don't probably have enough time on your show, but I'll just tell you what we've done is made our bet on all electric. Um, we think that that is going to be the dominant platform for mobility going forward and in automotive and, and transportation. I, we do not see hydrogen having a 
individual uh, passenger car application that scales uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that people can't get enthusiastic about that as a choice. We just think that for what we're doing, we're going to go with clearly the market and the trend and really where the adoption is already emerging. And that's with electric vehicles, starting with the Tesla Model 3, expanding into their whole lineup, and then bringing some of these other exciting products to market through a subscription. My guest has been Scott Painter, CEO and founder of subscription service Autonomy. You can find them on an app. You can also get them on autonomy.com. Uh, as we wrap up here, and, and thank you again for all your time, what kind of a vehicle future do you really see in five years, in 10, in 20, or in 30 years? What are we going to be driving? Is it going to be autonomous cars? How does that play into your subscription service? Uh, and, and what's our future of uh, personal transportation look like in, in, you know, in the next decade? Well, first of all, I think it's important to note that with 85 million cars a year being produced as new cars, all of them needing financing, the first thing that's going to be cool is that you're not going to need anything other than your smartphone to get a car and you're not going to need to go into debt. That's going to be one thing. Number two is you're going to be connected to your car in a way that you've never been before. You're going to have all the data, all the feedback, Everything related to car ownership, all the natural agencies, title, registration, maintenance, repair, all of those things are going to get handled. So owning a car is going to be less complex, less intimidating, less frustrating. It's all going to be part of a single monthly payment. You know, as technology advances, things in life tend to get easier. That's going to come to mobility and transportation in a very, very big way. I do think in terms of product, electric cars are such a great platform for um, a lot of um, variety and a lot of different choice. Some of the new cars coming to market are so darn cool. I think that the next two decades are just going to be about really having fun with cars again. You know, the, the American love affair with cars is sort of a, a well-known thing. It's what, it's what made cars what they are today. But the idea that we're going to get really, really in love with what we're driving again is a cool sort of thought. And because you don't have to marry your car, you're going to be able to have the ability to sample these cars and try them. And if you want to have a four-wheel drive in the, you know, in the winter, or you want to have a, a convertible in the summer, you're going to be able to switch and have a lot more variety and a lot more flexibility. Just think about the one thing alone. When you buy a car, you got to pay tax. When you subscribe to a car, you pay tax monthly. You don't pay tax on the transaction. If you're somebody who buys two or three cars a year because you have the ability to do that and you just like variety... You know, if you're talking about luxury or premium cars, you could be paying tens of thousands of dollars in tax that you just avoid by doing this type of a program. So I think that we're going to get to drive a lot more cool stuff and the innovation coming for us. I mean, you've got almost a dozen entirely brand new car companies that have been launched in the last two years. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about the autonomy stuff. Really, you could transition your business into autonomy where you are providing the autonomous cars and it, they are out just driving all around by themselves and and uh, then you're picking people up and dropping them off. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this idea that people don't want to drive um, is certainly going to handle a segment of the market. I think there's always going to be people who want to drive themselves yep. and have that freedom to be able to go where they want when they want. You know, when Uber came along, they said, uh, nobody's going to own a car anymore. Well, tell a mother with kids that she's got to go pick up you know, her kids from school in an Uber. It just doesn't really work. Um, and so I think that there's going to be a real argument for having the ability to do with your car what you want to do with your car. And certainly as cars have more technology in them, they're going to be safer. You're going to have lower insurance costs, lower insurance premiums. As a result, it's going to be 
I think, a, uh, a, a really cool way for these cars to come to market without a correlated big bump in expense. I, here's here's one of the things I, I guess I didn't touch on. I had a lease for several years, um, I, I guess two different leases, and my wife just couldn't get it out of her head that we are just wasting money on a lease and not having something to show for it. So a, after the leases were up, I, I had to go buy a, a used Lexus um, just so she would stop freaking out. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, as as cars get older, they depreciate more slowly. It doesn't matter whether you're leasing, buying, or um, how you get the car, if, you, if you're driving a new car, that first year is when it depreciates the most. And it's sort of infuriating that you're going to lose all that value. If you really want to be, you know, sort of focusing on the real pain, it's the moment you drive the car off the dealership lot yeah. that it depreciates about 15% yeah, no matter right. what. Yeah. And, in, and, well, in, one, in one second. And, and, the, and the registration costs in Colorado are based on the ownership tax. So if you buy a car that's $100,000, you're going to be paying fifteen hundred two thousand dollars for your uh for your registration but if you have a lower income you know let's say an older car you're going to pay a lot less that really deters a lot of people from wanting to buy a new car especially as expensive as they are well right now used cars are about 35 percent above the index that they should be so it's not necessarily true that buying a used car is a better financial yeah. decision anymore yeah. Well, at least in Colorado, they, they just, you know, for some states, Texas and Pennsylvania, I believe it's just a basically flat fee, a hundred bucks. And that's what you're paying, but it's a lot of money here. And it, and, and that's what we have a problem with people not registering their cars and get, then getting insurance. And so we have a lot of people driving with temporary plates that are, you know, a year or two years old. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think all of that is going to get cleaned up. However, with technology as well. Yeah. Cool. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be moving to a, you know, a place where you're, you're going to pay registration on a minute by minute basis. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, for me, it's been a fascinating uh, chance to talk to you and get uh, pick your brain with all this uh, great stuff because it's 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 going to be a, a cool another couple of as you said, couple of decades in the car industry and see where we go. Scott Painter, the CEO and the founder of Subscription Service Autonomy. Thanks again for all your time and all your insight. Jason, thanks for having me. This idea, to me at least, still seems like it's more for the high-income person rather than the average-income person. I get it. These cars are expensive. Um, and, and and autonomy, and Scott wants to protect his investment and not subscribe or have people subscribe to these cars that can't pay for them. The risk is is got to be just too great uh, to not look at the prime customers first with the best credit ratings and nearly guaranteed income. I mean, it just it's a good business model. And, and then on top of that, as I was just thinking about it, and, and, and now I don't have the opportunity to ask Scott about it, but I recall that he mentioned you could pay for the service with a credit card. So maybe you could even get points or cash back by paying for the car with a credit card. So, so if you're subscribing to that base rate, let's say, what was it, $500 a month, $6,000 a year on the low end? easy way to end uh, to generate points I spent and that's the thing about people who are uh, better off who are <laughs> who are quite wealthy they do uh, better wealthy type things like earn points on a car subscription service um, for me it, 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 it personally it's probably not for me I, I need to drive more than 12,000 miles a year so that takes me out right there I also like to own my cars because I I guess I just don't want to worry about it. I don't care so much about resale, whatever the resale value is, fine, but 
the cars that I have now are most likely going to be driven into the ground until I get something else. So that too would take me out of the subscription service, but the the financial voice in my head understands the the, the a business decision uh, is a good one for especially a business that that takes a subscription vehicle and and, and it make it's a valuable service. Um, but for me personally, I, I guess it's just not not for me. Let me know what you think. If, if you want to use any of the contact links in the description of the show, you can drop me a line or you can, uh, of course, call the listener hotline, 303-832-0217. Uh, I think next week I'm going to be sharing some of my recent Driving You Crazy TV stories. Uh, they've been piling up, so they're quite interesting. Uh, I'll have those for you next week. And I do have a I have an interview scheduled for sometime the middle of next week. It should be interesting. It's about all the pedestrian deaths that are happening. And one of the uh, interesting pitches uh, that was sent to me as part of this interview is that um, this this guest believes that local news or traffic reporters like me who cover traffic collisions on a daily basis can affect perceptions of blame and responsibility in pedestrian crashes uh, with vehicles. So it'll be really interesting, especially that part of this interview is really going to be interesting for me to, to get into. Uh, that's uh, an interview that I think we'll ha- I'll have it probably in a couple weeks. It's, it's going to be middle of next week before I can uh, get that, uh, that doctor. Yeah, it's a doctor on. Uh, anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>